Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 102 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobo. Peter Jones is here. Todd is off hunting in the backwoods of West Virginia. I don't know if that, that sounds a bit off, but he's in West Virginia hunting. So Todd, we'll see you in episode 103. Peter, it's nice to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? No complaints today. Because of election day, there were no students in our school building because we have voting right in our building. So that was kind of nice to have a day without kids. Got some paperwork done. Feel good. Pretty nice out. Wisconsin has had some weirdly nice weather recently. It's been like in the 60s and like low 70s, which for November is just that doesn't happen. About to hit the winter, though, I saw next week it's going back in like high of like 38. Back to normal, Wisconsin. <laughs> back to normal. Yeah. It'll be 73 one day and 38 the next. That's that's how we roll here. So I'm good. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. You can find us on Twitter at AVG Cheese. You can find us on the internet, www.avgcheese.com. And you can email us avgcheese at gmail.com. And I'm just going to apologize in advance to Veterans Outreach of Wisconsin because Todd is not on and Todd has really been lighting up the swear jar. I'm not at that point today. I'm glad we don't podcast on a Sunday because I may have been. But yeah, so sorry, Veterans Outreach. It's going to be a little less in the money in the kitty this week. All right, let's go, Peter. It's episode 102. So number two. Number two. Yeah. So there's only been two number twos in the history of the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, Mason Crosby, Packers all-time leading scorer and all of that great stuff. And seems like he's been the kicker for a lifetime now. But rather than do a current player, I thought we'd go all the way back to the 1920s. The other number two in Packers history is a guy by the name of Charlie Mathis, who played quarterback. Was in fact the Packers' first or one of the Packers' first quarterbacks, played with the Packers from 22 to 26. Different quarterback position back then, obviously. He's a member of the Packers Hall of Fame. Obviously a very good player in his day for that period of time back in the 1920s. Grew up in Green Bay, went to Green Bay West High School before you know, playing for the Packers pre-NFL days. And then I think he spent a year in Hammond, Indiana, playing there and one year in the pros before coming back to Green Bay and playing Packers from 22 to 26, as I said, and kind of played in that period, leather helmets, if any, if, if, if any helmets, and kind of prior to statistics being kept. But there was some research done. I found it on the Packers.com site earlier. So thanks to Packers.com for that. It's believed that he caught more passes in the 1920s than any other player in the NFL. He caught so, more passes? Yeah. As the quarterback? Yeah. So remember that this is this is a different when Curly Lambeau as the halfback that we talked about last week was taking the snaps. 
So the halfback took the snaps back in those days from centre. So the quarterback was a, was a different was a different position, but he also threw touchdown passes again thanks to Packers.com. Um, he threw seven touchdown passes in 1925. Clearly an all-round versatile player, and I thought it was nice to go back and look at a guy from the 1920s and give him a shout out, Charlie Mathis. So the Packers are going to be batting a thousand for number twos in the Packer Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Yes, he will. Charlie Mathis. So the quarterback yeah. and halfback positions have literally switched spots. Yeah, and because and because of course you had the real fullback. You know, you had a quarterback, halfback, and fullback. Literally, were what those things describe them to be. And and there was at least three guys in the backfield, if not more than that, at the snap of, at the snap of the football. Yeah, as I say, like we said last week, Curly Lambo took most of the snaps from center in that period of time. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats for kind of the 20s and 30s where they're available, you see many players throwing passes, either from the halfback position or the quarterback position, tailback, fullback. They all got in on the scene and throwing passes. It's, yeah, it's interesting times. Uh, so quickly on the slices, Rashawn Gary is going to end his season with six sacks. So unless Aiden Hutchinson crawls under a rock or himself gets injured, it looks like the Aiden Hutchins, uh, Hutchinson will end up with more sacks. Peter is still kicking the crap out of everybody in the average cheese pick them. Peter, I'll have to send you a T-shirt, even though I already know you have one. <laughs> I'm being caught. I don't know what last night's results were, but uh, I was certainly being caught, or I think I might have been tied this week. I had a bit of a nightmare week this week. so Yeah, people my, are my catching pick, up to you. My pick and picks were a bit like the Packers themselves this week. Oh, Do Your Rant is tied with you with 81. There you go. Do Your Rant already has a shirt. He bought one from us last year. So, but I'd happy be happy to send him another one if he takes first place. <laughs> I do. Oh, uh, boy! If I got to send one to Hound in in, in Australia, Australia, that's going to cost <laughs> me a couple of dollars. But Hound, if you end up taking first, I'll send you one for sure. Other slices. Frank Reich was fired from his job as coach of the Indianapolis Colts. A little bit interesting because they hired former. Packer, Jeff Saturday. I saw somebody say on Twitter that he's going to be replaced by Evan Dietrich Smith. That's super funny if you're a Packer fan <laughs> at some point. So I love that. Matt Schneidman or whoever, whatever genius said that, that was super funny. Interesting because Jeff Saturday has never had any real experience as a coach. It's kind of yeah. a joke, right? I mean, I know you're going to bring in an interim guy. And we have talked ad nauseum about interim guys and they never get the job. But why not audition somebody that actually might get an NFL job someday? It's an odd one. The thinking has to be that we're just going to get through this season and then we can, we can sit down and interview the right guys, if you like, for the job. And I guess when you pick a guy who's not currently on your coaching staff, I know he was in the building as some kind of consultant. I guess what you're, what you're really saying is I don't want to disrupt the rest of the coaching structure. Because if I promote one guy, then I've got to move somebody else into that spot and, and that kind of thing. And if I promote that guy, am I giving an indication that he's my preferred candidate? And then you get into the Rooney rule and all of that kind of stuff. So so maybe that's the thinking. I don't, I don't know. I feel sorry for Frank Reich. I mean, I know that they've struggled this season. I guess we remember him as a player and we'll always remember that Buffalo comeback against Houston, Houston, yeah. Houston Oilers in the, in the playoffs. Um, down by 32 points or whatever it was in that game. But I thought as an offensive mind, I, I, I think he's quite a 
positive offensive mind and the type of guy that I think lots of teams would probably like to have perhaps as an offensive coordinator I don't I don't know but yeah he's one of those guys that for whatever reason I've I've always quite liked so I, I, I feel a little bit sorry for him well and they brought in 97 year old Matt Ryan and expected him to be a great quarterback at his age I think one thing you can always say is guys fall off the table at some age now it's not the same age for everybody Brady, I think, has fallen off considerably in the last two years. Rodgers looks like after two MVP seasons, at least right now, we'll talk about that later, he's dropped off too, especially with his accuracy. Matt Ryan wasn't good in Atlanta. So why someone thought we're going to bring in Matt Ryan and he's going to all of a sudden be what he hasn't been for many years is unfair to that coaching staff, unfair to Frank Reich, and probably got Frank Reich fired because they weren't winning, because they didn't have a quarterback. And not helped by the fact that they bought in Carson Wentz the year before, gave up high draft picks to get him. So those high draft picks have gone and they moved on from Wentz after a year and all, and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's not helpful to anybody, I think. Uh, in less than positive news, Adam Zimmer, former Viking coach Mike Zimmer's son, passed away. There's some real weird stuff coming out about that, that there was excessive drinking and stuff. I don't even want to dive into it. I'm just saying it's a sad occurrence and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, there isn't a whole lot else going on in the NFL world. Jonathan Abram was cut by the Raiders, former first round pick safety. Thoughts on him, Peter? Maybe um, is he worse than Darnell Savage? I can't <laughs> think he is. Well, I mean, you kind of think, so I'm kind of of the view that that kind of guy, and, and obviously he's not played well at the Raiders, else they wouldn't have they wouldn't have cut him. But you kind of think it's got to be worth kicking the tires on a guy like that, hasn't it? Bring him I into think. the building at least, kick the tires, and just see what see what you've got. If he's there and he turns out to be not good enough, and that's the reason the Raiders have cut him, then you can move on from him as well. I, th- I think it has to be worth kicking the the tires. I certainly would give it a go. At the end of the day, it's not a position of great strength for the Packers and certainly not a position of great depth. So why not? So on to the injuries. Start with Rashawn Gary. You know, you watch that play and you think that was a nothing play. He wasn't being touched. Man, what else other than the artificial turf and excessive use? So there is that. That's a gigantic man playing at optimum body fat and you know what I mean like he has maximized his body that guy is a workout warrior so there is something to that there's something to be said that artificial turf with guys that size and that strength and that quickness and that suddenness their ligaments cannot take the pounding that they're getting basically running on concrete yeah you know, I have to hold my hands up and say I'm not an expert on on that but you would think there has to be something in that but I think you've also hit the nail on the head and, and this has always been one of my concerns, particularly as players get bigger and bigger, is the human body is not designed to carry even the muscular weight of guys that are 270, 280, 290, 300, 350 pounds, whatever whatever they are. Again, I'm not a medical guy, not a doctor or anything, but yeah, you have to believe that that makes people of that size more susceptible to an ankle or, or a knee injury, I would have I would have thought. You know, the loss of Rashan Gary for the Packers is, well, probably as big a blow as they could have had at this stage of the season in terms of losing any particular player. You know, it's a bright spot in a difficult season. 
especially at this stage in his career you don't you don't want that injury at any stage in your career but at the but when you're at the point of just you're just getting to that next level you're just reaching getting close to that pro bowl level and and, and go the last thing you want is a, you know that type of injury which at the very least you think is a year ish maybe 10 months 11 months but it's that kind of and and that's and that's assuming you know, as we've seen, unfortunately, with David Bakhtiari, that's assuming that everything goes okay. So now you're talking about the guy being out for the best part of the first half of next season as well. And it's just awful. I guess you get back to the, the personal thing as well. And, you know, that's just mentally tough for anybody. And for somebody that young, yes, physically, I guess it helps when you're that young. But I think that mentally that's really tough, particularly if you've never had a serious injury before all the best on his recovery and, and we know that he'll get, you know, the best support and, and everything else, but it's just, it's sickening, just, just sickening. And Eric Stokes on a similar note, I have not seen out for the year behind his name, but there's been some real rumblings that he may be done for the year too. Eric Stokes with his injury says he's questionable, but he's walking around in a boot. Yeah. You know, after this, so I don't know if that's a positive or a negative, but that's a real problem because no matter how poorly or well he's played this year, he's your second best corner. And now you're moving Razul Douglas up and Shamar John Charles was out and now questionable still like you're on cornerback number four or five in the game coming yep. up. So it's a, it's a problem. Absolutely. And also, again, from that player's perspective, and, and no matter whether he's played well or badly this season, and people have different opinions on that, on that, the only way he's going to improve is by being out on the field and playing. And, and any setback that takes a young player off the field, reducing their opportunity to improve is, is a bad thing. So like you, I don't know any more details, so let's kind of keep our fingers crossed and hope that it's not as bad as it may be. Christian Watson and Chris Barnes were in the concussion protocol. And you just, man, like when a kid, a a young man like Watson gets one, you are more likely to get others afterwards and especially quickly afterwards. Right. Cause it's only, it was only a week out. So I don't know the severity of it. And I know that the NFL has taken precautions on trying to keep guys out. LeFleur said uh, yesterday or today that they kept him out of the game as a precaution because they weren't sure. They said it wasn't another one, so that's great. I mean, they need him around. And then Chris Barnes, they need him too, depending on Devondre Campbell and what Devondre Campbell does for the the Dallas game. They need Chris Barnes. Otherwise, it's Wilson and McDuffie, and you're you're way down the the depth chart for the linebacker position as well. Yeah, it feels like those injuries are piling up, and – it's probably no worse than the majority of other teams, but it just feels worse. And I guess it feels doubly worse when you're struggling as a team. Those things seem to hit you even even harder. Well, not only that, you start to – and the Packers are relatively conservative with injuries. They so are. you look yeah. at, okay, Devondre Campbell or any – player X, it doesn't matter. Aaron Jones, Romeo Dobbs. You talk about any player, if the Packers are three and – six which they are right now or if they start falling and lose a bunch of games in a row and they're three and nine do you bring aaron jones devondre campbell chris barnes christian watson back so that they can go three and 14 i don't no i preserve those guys because i care about them as humans and i also understand that 
no matter what we do going forward, we're not going to be in the playoffs. So let's be really conservative with those guys. This season could go downhill in a real hurry because of the injuries on top of the Packers record. Hopefully, you know, Romeo Dobbs can get back on the field because of what you said before. Young guys need to be out on the field playing in games. Aaron Jones might be playing for his next contract, too. And it's just something we can talk up, talk about down the road because he's got a very cuttable yeah. number. So there's a lot of things at stake for these guys. There really is. And when your team is hit so hard by injuries and then which, whichever position, the third inside linebacker is playing or the fourth inside linebacker is playing and suddenly the third corner is playing and the, the third safety, whatever positions it is, it's a lot more difficult for those guys coming in to make an impact because they're now playing with second string guys. All of a sudden, it's more difficult to judge actually what those guys are doing when they're playing with second or third string guys. I mean, yeah, the same on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the wide receiver call gets thinner by the day almost, it feels like. And, you know, whoever's throwing the ball to those guys, it's going to be extremely difficult for them for them to do it. And it's difficult to make a judgment on some of what's going on with the offense with those with that many with that many injuries, particularly at one position. A position that wasn't a position of strength to begin with. All right. So we usually do the good, the bad, and the ugly, Peter. How do you feel about just, we're going to rant about the offense, and then when you're done, I'll rant about the offense, and then we're on defense and that kind of thing. (laughs) Like, let's just go out of order. No script. We'll start. I'll let you go first. Offense against Detroit. Thoughts? Actually mixed. So the obvious headlining thing, and and we'll dig into this, a bit deeper in a moment, I'm, I'm sure, is, is, is the interceptions and, and, and the turnovers in the end zone and, and that kind of thing. But taking a step back and just being more broad about it, the offense actually moved the ball down up and down the field pretty well most of, most of the day. Now, you would expect them to do that against one of the worst, if not the worst, defenses in the NFL. What they didn't do was convert that yardage into points. And that's where we'll, we'll get to, because nine points against that level of defenses just doesn't cut it. You know, to be honest, 20 points against that level of defense doesn't cut it. So so nine's never going to cut it. There is some good in that they were able to move the football. Samari Torre made a couple of nice plays. Yes, he fumbled on that play, but he was just trying to make a play after that catch. Was open in the end zone. I know he wasn't wide open. Was open in the end zone. The ball that was underthrown and knocked down by Kirby Joseph should have been a touchdown. So I think that's a positive from what we've seen in from the little bits from Torre in the last couple of weeks. And that's probably where my positives on offense end. If you've got some positives on offense to add to that. Well, I don't know that there's a whole lot of positives. They did get on Detroit's side of the field very often in this game. So they did move the ball. The field position game was won by the Packers for the most part, right? Minus the turnovers and minus all the issues that, that happened during the game. The Packers did move the football, despite still not utilizing their best player on the field. But they did move the football. Aaron Rodgers had like 295 yards passing in this game. And like you said, the two-ray pass, if it's another two yards further, that's a 45-yard gain and possibly a touchdown. And there was a lot of positives, but not extreme positives. Do you know what I mean? There were a lot of good things that happened, but you can't be like, whoa, we've right the ship. Like, it's time <laughs> yeah. to move. We're going to score 40 next week against Dallas. They were okay things that we hadn't been seeing. But was it a bad defense? I guess that's what it comes down to. And you're only playing the team in front of you, so 
You got to move the ball against whoever you're playing. Is it a result of Detroit just being that bad or are the Packers getting better? I'm going to err on the side of Detroit is not a good defense rather than the Packers are getting better on offense. I do not believe the Packers are getting better on offense. Either way, they scored nine points. Whether which side of that is right, they scored nine points. Negative wise, I'll just lay this loss right at the feet of Aaron Rodgers. While he threw for 293 or 291 yards in this game, his accuracy, and it's not just in this game, his accuracy has not been the same. You know, I've read things like his arm angle isn't the same. Whatever it might be, he's running for his life. He's worried about this. He's not confident in his wide receivers. There's a lot of factors, and I will give him that. But his accuracy should not be affected by the guy he's throwing the ball to. It actually leans the other way and says guys were bailing him out on some throws. Adams is going to catch a ball in a, in a big catch radius. Lazard has done that too. I don't believe that his accuracy has fallen out that greatly in one year, but that pass to Toure was off. Last week when uh, Romeo Dobbs made that great catch in the end zone, that was a terrible throw. The, the pass that uh, was thrown to Lazard, was a terrible throw that got knocked down, which is a very nice play. And Lazard almost caught it yet. But all of those things add up to plus the interception hitting that guy in the face mask on the goal line. Like that, that throw is unacceptable. Throwing that interception to Aiden Hutchinson, the play call is something we can talk about, but the throw was terrible. The only guy that would have caught that was Aiden Hutchinson because Bakhtiari would have had a dove forward to catch that ball. The throw to seven foot, eight inch tall Mercedes Lewis that only Mercedes Lewis was tall enough to catch while he was wide open was a terrible throw and a great catch by Mercedes Lewis. I'm sorry I'm ranting. What I'm saying is his accuracy is terrible. It was terrible in this game and he cost us that football game. I don't think you can get away from two turnovers in the red zone and a third turnover was as good as in the red zone. It was obviously intercepted at right near the goal line, plus the underthrow of Samari Toure, which was a touchdown effort. We are where we are, and, he's, you know, it's clearly, it's not rocket science to say that he's not playing at the MVP level he's played at in the, pre- in the previous two years. And yes, there are some mitigating factors, receiver injuries, the offensive line changing every week, et cetera, et cetera, but you highlighted on that throw to Bakhtiari. Now, whether that's the right play or not, Bakhtiar is wide open on that play. You know, you would expect that any NFL quarterback makes that play. And, and, and I know every now and again, the ball doesn't come out right, et cetera, et cetera, but you have to make those plays and not good. <laughs> and the other thing, and I know we beat up on this every week, they did not run the football. That's simple. Aaron Rodgers led the team in rushing. Okay, I thought when he took off and ran, those were perfect. He did exactly what he needed to do. If you're going to play man-to-man coverage against the Packers or any quarterback and everybody's running away from the quarterback, good, run. I don't care how old you are. That's a thing you should keep doing. Great. But Aaron Jones still not getting enough touches. I know he got hurt in this game, and that affected the amount of touches he got. A.J. Dillon then becomes your one. He still only gets 11 carries in a game you are in to the last second. Kylan Hill, who should be Aaron Jones's replacement, gets one carry, no catches, doesn't touch the ball. At some point, 
one of those guys that's in, you know, asking Matt LaFleur questions needs to say, why are we not running the football? Not and not let them get away with, you know, we need to get better at that. Fuck you, Matt. You've been saying that the entire year. That's the first time I cussed. It's time to figure it out. Like, I got to empty my fingers. There. there we go. No, you don't get to say that week after week after week. Either you're running the football or you're not running the football. It's that simple. And if you decide you're not going to run the football, then man up and say, we're not going to run the football. Aaron Rodgers runs this fucking offense. Just say it then. And it makes you wonder, and I, and I know it didn't change this week in terms of the play mix and what have you, but it makes you wonder whether that's why this week Adam Stanovich was up in the box rather than down on the field. Is that about him being able to take a step back and actually see what's going on and chart the number of plays that they're calling of this type, of that type, to this player and whatever else? They clearly made a decision. And I know that in the Matt LaFleur presser, you know, he said you can ask Adam about, about the reasons why and he can tell you if he wants to. And I've not seen the Adam Stenovich presser to see whether or not he gave a reason why he went up into the box. But Oh, you're well, the head coach, motherfucker. You say what the answer is. So I'm but, not going to ask the assistant why he's up in the box. But, but, what? But, but, but clearly, yeah, yeah. But clearly they came to a decision this past week that, you know, that, that having Stanovich up in the box was was something that they needed to do. Didn't make a difference this week, whether it will going forward. So it begs the question, yes, about the play calling, but it also begs the wider question about, you know, the loss of Nathaniel Hackett, the loss of Luke Getze. Are those bigger losses than any of us really expected them to be? Don't know. That's a good point. And I guess we all point, including me, point to the loss of Devontae Adams, but you lost a lot of guys on that coaching staff too. That's a good point. You know, Tom Clement comes in, he hasn't been in the system for the longest time, whether he can say, whether Aaron Rodgers has had a good or bad game is really coming off of just what Aaron Rodgers does individually, not within the context of what they've normally run for the last couple of years. That's an interesting point, and I never thought of that. But just to go back to it, dude, you are the head coach. You run this show. You say why Stenovich is in the box. You can say Adam thought we should he should go in the box for whatever reason, or I thought Adam should go in the box for whatever reason. You run the fucking show, man. That's a problem. And we've talked about it a lot. You're in charge. Be in charge. Ugh. Wow, that just got me real fired up here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I would say that being in the box is a better thing than being on the sideline. I always want to be up high in that stadium when I'm at the stadium because you can see things up high that you cannot see when you're at ground level. And I think especially the case where your head coach is an offensive guy, so you don't want both of your two offensive coaches, your head coach and your offensive coordinator, down on the field. Get one of them up in the box. Get the coordinator up in the box where, you, where you're seeing a different perspective and, and, and you're not caught up in in worrying about talking to this player and talking to that player and, and everything else. You can you can take a more dispassionate view, I think, of things. We move on to defense, unless you got more. Let's do defense. So defensively, here's the positive. The Lions have Amhan Ross St. Brown, who's a very good player. They have Jamal Williams, who has had a very good season up to the point where they played the Packers. DeAndre Swift, while he hasn't been great, There was one play where he outran Quay Walker. 
well, Quay Walker takes some real shit angles to the football, but he still outran Quay Walker, which means he's very fast, if nothing else. Jared Goff can play. He's fine. They average like 35 points a game at home, and they scored 15 in this game. So there were a lot of, not a lot of positives. Again, it's not like, whoa, this is great, but there were things that you could say, okay, that went pretty well defensively. Jair Alexander had a nice play on the interception. But I just look at this defense. I look at Jair Alexander. I'll just use him. He's your best player right now on the defensive side of the ball. That fucker's playing out of control mentally. He can do whatever he wants. You know, that that whole penalty he got, I, I, you know me, I'm the hothead of the average cheese. I don't mind that as much. But waving to the crowd, yeah, let's hear it. Dude, what are you doing right now? Why are you doing that? There's no repercussions to Jair Alexander. He can do whatever he wants, and that just seems to be a pervasive thing on this team. We can do whatever we want. Nothing's going to happen to us. Quay Walker makes two bad mistakes two weeks in a row. He's back out there the next week. Yes, Matt LaFleur scolded him in that game, but it didn't affect him playing. Like, I just, I worry that there is a uh, Ray Rhodes type issue with the command of players going on right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Sorry. Defensively, what did you see? <laughs> I think any time you hold an NFL team to 15 points, you would expect 95% of the time to win that game. Right? That, yes. That's what happens in the, in the NFL. So I think from that perspective, it's good. I worry about the lack of turnovers. Yes, Jair made that great play, but taking the season as a whole again, they don't force many turnovers because they don't force a lot of pressure. And by that, I mean they don't force offenses into pressure situations. Yes, There'll be a one pass rusher that gets pressure on the quarterback, but the quarterback can move. The quarterback gets outside of the pocket, whatever. There's not there's not three or four guys pressuring the quarterback on any given play. And they don't get down and distance pressure. There's not a lot of third and longs. And when there are, we can't stop them anyway. Right. There's a lot of conversions on second down. We never even get to third down. The, the yardage stuff and the Packers having quite high up in terms of the yardage of defense doesn't tell the whole story. I agree with you in terms of discipline. It's, I think it's going to be interesting to watch over the next few weeks with a team that probably isn't going to make the playoffs. You know, we can almost write them off now, but as Packers fans, we're going to cross our fingers and hope they go on a eight-game winning streak, however many games there are left in the season. You know, it's when teams get knocked out of the playoffs that, all of that ill discipline, all of that infighting, all of that stuff outside of what happens on the field starts to come out. And that gives you a good indication of what this team really is. And what you hope for is that even if, heaven forbid, they continue to lose games, that that stuff doesn't get worse and doesn't start to come out. Because if it doesn't, it actually shows a good group of guys together but it's going to be interesting to see where that goes over the over the next few weeks and, and why they need their leaders whoever those leaders are and I'm not sure who they are when we had Zadaria Smith we knew what he was he was he was a leader on the field I'm not sure where those guys are on defense right now Devondre Campbell possibly but he's hurt as well but I'm not certain where those leaders are and you need those leaders to step up they need to step up even more when you're struggling than they do when you're playing well because you start to look just on the defensive side of the ball. Sean Gary, no, plus he's hurt. Preston Smith, never been a loud guy. 
Never been a in-your-face guy? No. Jair Alexander, big loud mouth, but not sure he's a leader. Brazil Douglas, another big mouth, not a leader. Stokes doesn't say boo. Chris Barnes has not played enough to be a leader. Quay Walker is a rookie. Adrian Amos is a quiet guy. Like, there is no guy that's going to get in your ear hole defensively. And I would say on the offensive side of the ball, same thing. Aaron Rodgers is no leader. They may like him as a person, and they may follow him because he's a good person and he's a great player, but he does not exude leader qualities. And I know they fucking pan to his face every time something negative goes or positive. Like, they go right to his face, and there's nothing he can do. I can't imagine what I would look like during a football game. I mean, I know what I look like when I'm coaching high school wrestling, and it ain't pretty. I'll tell you that much. So I, get I know it. what you look like. I know what you look like right now. Right. And, I, <laughs> and I'm just a fan of this whole thing. I'm not even involved. So I get that. But Aaron Rodgers isn't a guy that's going to go up to guys and I think he will get in their ear. But I don't think the message comes off as as positive as he would like it to be. It comes off like whiny bitch a lot of times, at least from what I see. His demeanor is not leadership. It's just, I'm the best player on this team, and people have told me that I'm the leader, so I'm going to talk. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. He's not a leader. Aaron Jones, not a leader. Great guy. A.J. Dillon, not a leader. Like, who is it? Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb's on the sideline, too, so you lose a little bit of your effectiveness. But he's not a loud guy, either. You don't have a guy that is a leadership from a field standpoint or just a personality standpoint on this team. And you wonder how, whether, whether that's a reflection of the coaching staff or the coaching staff are a reflection of, of that. It's difficult to know, but you, but, but they feel the same. I mean, when you were talking about leaders on defense and I was thinking to myself, that sounds like Joe Barry, though, doesn't it? It sounds like it kind of is what it is and what happens, happens. And we're going to run this system. And this is these are the plays that we run. And if they work, they work. And if they don't work, they don't work. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody's getting in anybody's face. Nobody's trying to build up the players around them. And you want that to come from the coaching stuff if it's not coming from the players on the field. It has to start somewhere. But you feel like they're all reflective of each other. And I know that's from the outside looking in, and that's from 4,000 miles away and just what we see on TV. But it very much feels that way. You don't have to be a screamer to be a a leader. I get that. I'm not saying that you do. Again, it goes back to winning and losing. You know, when you're winning, you know, that stuff becomes less transparent and perhaps less, I won't say less needed, but it becomes less, somewhat less important because Mm -hmm. winning begats winning. Sure. And you don't need to scream and shout and whatever else. Everybody knows their job and is clearly doing their job when you're winning. You get a true reflection of that stuff when things aren't going well. Who are the guys that are going to step up and bring you out of the mire when things aren't going well? I don't know why t- Ray Lewis just came to mind, but Ray Lewis would get in your ear hole and cuss you out. But you knew that Ray Lewis cared about the rest of those guys on that defense. So when he chewed them out, he chewed them out and cussed them out from a, cussed them out from a place of I care about this team and you on it. Yeah, yeah, that's leadership. Yeah, I will scream yeah, I mean, at you because I care. 
what I'm really saying is I don't know where that stands on this team now, but over yep. the next few weeks, we're going to find out. Special teams wise, <laughs> I put this on Twitter and I thought it was absolute. There was no special teams, right? There was one punt, <laughs> but I think it was, uh, what's the former tight end? What's that guy's name that was doing the play-by-play or doing the yeah. announcing for this Greg, game? Greg Olson. Greg, Greg Olson. Olson. Oh, that's yeah. a short kick. Dude, have you watched any fucking Packer games? That's as far as Mason Crosby can kick a football, bro. Like, it doesn't go any farther than that unless he's got a hurricane wind behind him. So, short kick. Freaking idiot. That was hilarious. I, I laughed immediately. I could not type that fast enough and get that out there. But, yeah, there was no real special teams issues in this game, right? They had a 31-yard punt. Mason Crosby made the only field goal he needed to or that he had a chance to kick. They went for two, so there wasn't even an extra point involved. This has to be Mason Crosby's last year. His kicks come out low. I mean, they haven't been blocked often, one time, but those kicks could be blocked. He never gets the ball very high in the air, so no real special teams issues. And Detroit seems to have a guy that can smash the ball through the end zone. Mari Rogers was still back there, so that was sort of interesting. He has not been demoted from his punt return duties. I don't think they've got anybody else. I, I, the, there must be somebody else practicing punt returns in case Rogers goes down injured. But I think in their eyes, He's there the isn't one. another punt, re, punt returner on the roster, probably other than Randall Cobb, who's injured and is 73 years of age anyway. Yes. Totally going off topic here, but Amari Rogers runs the worst routes. Everything is a banana. There is not a hard cut in any route he's ever run. Amari Rogers runs a banana of a route. He doesn't do anything to get the defender off him. I think it was the one that Joseph picked that is right on Amari Rogers right there. You have to do something in the NFL to get a guy off your back. He's freaking terrible. Also terrible, and again, we're talking about special teams, but I got to go back to it. Kenny Clark has really been bad. My guy, Kenny, I don't know if it's the seven or eight years of taking a beating. I don't know if I don't know what it is, but he he was awful again in this game. Well, and they've got to get him help up front, don't they? They've, they've got to get him help. Right. So yeah, we all thought Devontae Wyatt would be that help. Not so far. Put him out there. Right. At this point. Um, I got to believe that the constant beating, the constant double teams, is where is wearing Kenny Clark down. We need, we need to get another player that's going to take that pressure off Kenny Clark and for him to start making those plays again. And if Wyatt's not it, then we're going to have to go back to the draft again next year because we have to have it. It all starts up front, offensively and defensively. We have to have that for all of the draft picks the Packers have made on defense over the last decade. Someone should have stepped up by now. Someone should have stepped up by now. Yep, exactly right. Let's move on to the game coming up this week against the Mike McCarthy's, the Dallas Cowboys. Back before the season started, I thought this was a guaranteed win. I thought the Packers would come out just guns a-blazing in this game. Aaron Rodgers would be motivated to prove that he's better than Mike McCarthy. The floor, you know, coaching against the former coach. I felt like there was a lot of things that would help the Packers externally motivate themselves other than just winning a football game. And maybe those things still will. Maybe there's a, I don't want to call it a last hurrah in Aaron Rodgers. That's unfair because we've still, still time for this thing to play out. But maybe that might be the thing to 
inspire to whatever it is for for Rodgers to step back 10 years in time and play like the 2012 2011 Aaron Rodgers for at least one more week or the last year Aaron Rodgers or the year before yeah 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 clearly that relationship didn't end well you know there's no there's no question about about that and maybe that and by saying that, I don't necessarily mean at a personal level. I just mean at a, play, at a playing level. They were on different pages by that stage in 2018, whenever, whenever that was. I think from from a Rogers perspective, if not, if that doesn't inspire him, if that's not the thing that says I want to go out and I'm going to show you that whatever we were doing back in 2018 was it's not me. me. I yeah. was still the great Aaron Rodgers that I've been. I was still the Hall of Fame quarterback at that point, as 2021 and 2020 have shown. If that doesn't inspire him this week, I don't know what will. Yeah. So I'm still hopeful, even though I might be grasping at straws and whatever else, that actually this may be the week. This may be something that will inspire them to play a lot better than they have been recently. And as you look at the games the Packers have played the entire season, the only game they really had no chance in was the Buffalo game. They lost these games rather than were beaten by teams. I would say of the six losses, the five of them, other than the Buffalo game, were games the Packers should have won, and they lost those games rather than they were just absolutely mangled by the team across from them. As I keep saying these things, I think the Packers could easily be six and three. They aren't. They could easily. They could also as easily be one and eight. Right. So there have been close games. My, I guess, my whole point to that is, the Packers have enough talent still to win football games against decent teams. It's a possibility they could win. Should they win this week against Dallas? No, they shouldn't. The Dallas should win by ten or more, in my opinion. And I guess we'll get to that in a minute. You always have the opportunity with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, again, as poorly as he's played, especially last week, there's still that chance. He always gives you a puncher's chance. And there are guys on that defensive side of the ball, while they haven't played well, same thing. Alexander, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, they could make plays. They haven't, they could, and it could change the whole direction of of any game. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I'm a great believer in the the NFL that, that you have to put t- teams away early, right? So no matter who you're playing, whether you're the best team and playing the worst team, the longer those teams stay in the game, and it's a three-point game going into the third quarter, and it's you know it's a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter, every now and again, that bounce of the ball will go against you, and you'll lose to teams that you shouldn't lose to. And that's why I think this season's been odd, because the, I believe that the Packers are capable, even now, of carving out an early 14 nothing lead on a team and changing the whole outlook of a game, starting to take the other team out of their game plan, etc., etc., being able to run the ball more themselves with less pressure to force the ball down the field. I still believe the Packers are capable of doing that. They just haven't done it yet. I mean, is this the week? I don't know. I don't and, think and, so. Yeah, there is a secret weapon this week. So, so I want to give a shout out to so so when the the Packers haven't won a game since they came to London since you me and Todd watched them from a nice spot but we watched them at London kind of fall apart in the second half against the Giants. So this week there's a huge contingent of Packers fans coming over from the UK to Lambeau Field. They're going to be there for the 
Cowboys game and the Titans game on Thursday, next Thursday night. So I'm hoping that that, that will be the turnaround. It started going wrong when the Packers came here. It's going to go right when the UK Packers come to Lambeau Field this week. I'm clutching at straws, and a few of them are, and a few of them have said to me they've got cleats. <laughs> and they'll go out there and play if they have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the thing we have to remember going forwards is the Packers aren't yet out of this thing. It's close, but they're not yet out of it. It's now time. We've all got our views on where this season is and where it's going and why it's going wrong. Let's stay behind our team. And and when the season's gone, then, then let's start worrying about who should be there next year, what moves they should make, et cetera, et cetera. Let's pick this Packers-Cowboys game. Right now, the Packers are five-and-a-half-point dogs. The Cowboys are five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, according to BetMGM.com. And the over-under... What do you think it is, Peter? Because it seems like it's a weird number every week. So last week, remember, it was 49 and a half. Right. That was the easiest under in the history of betting (laughs) last week. It's a real shame that I don't bet on games because that really felt like an easy one. I did say that the Packers wouldn't cover, which they didn't either. But I also said they would win this game. The over under is 42 and a half. It makes no sense from week to week is my whole point of that. We'll start with you this week. The Packers Cowboys at Lambeau, 325 start. Is that right? I think it's an afternoon game. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. I went out on a limb last week. And you nailed it. In picking Detroit to beat the Packers. I'm going to go out on a limb this week. And I'm going to say the Packers are going to bounce back and they're going to beat the Cowboys in a shocker. I think that what we talked about earlier, I think Rodgers will get inspired this week. Whether that will last going forwards, I don't know, but I think he's going to have a big game this week. And I think the Packers are going to win this one 23-20. So they're also going to go over the 42 and a half. Just. Yep. Peter, I love your optimism. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that the Packers can score enough points to get over, so I'll take the under for sure. And I think the Cowboys win this by probably 10. I'm going to say they win. I don't I don't think the Packers get within five and a half of the Cowboys. I don't. So I think the Packers or the Cowboys will cover. It'll be under the 42 and a half. And I want you to be right. <laughs> okay. So thanks for listening to episode 102 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Charlie Mathis episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.